Good evening to you. It is Wednesday, November 30th at 9.49. Purdue just won their battle uh, versus an ACC opponent, Florida State, down in Tallahassee. And boy, Zach Eady's back must be tired. I'm going to tell you about it, but first, let me talk about uh, the nice folks at Martin Vintage. Head over to Martin Vintage right now and uh, interboiled at checkout when you find the thing you like, the, the t-shirt, the sweatshirt. You might have missed their big Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale, but they still have some pretty good deals, and get, you can get 15% off if you're interboiled at checkout. Also, when you're on campus, head over to uh, AJ's on Vine. Uh, the good folks there will help you out, specifically Adam, the owner. He's a, he's a good guy, and um, the food's delicious, and they have TVs, and uh, you can enjoy the warm, glowing glow of the television as you wait for your next Purdue basketball game to tip off. That's AJ's, eatajs.com. So Purdue headed down to Tallahassee. They, uh, they played Florida State, who is not a good team. Make no bones about it. I think they have one win coming into the Purdue game. And uh, Purdue found a way. It's that simple. Uh, Zach Eady played his game. Zach Eady played uh, incredibly well again. Uh, he was playing against a seven-footer tonight. He was playing against double teams all night where they were fronting him and putting somebody on the back. And all Purdue needed to do was knock down some threes, knock down some jumpers, and they probably would have won going away. Instead, they couldn't shoot the ball really at all in the first half. And then they just got uh, – oh, good – um, sorry, LBD just gave me big news um, off camera. But um, No Shave November has ended for him, and uh, it's it's a good thing. Anyway, uh, he doesn't have his dad's beard just yet. Sorry, sorry, no offense. Um, but um, he will eventually. So Purdue couldn't hit their threes in the first half. They couldn't hit their threes generally all game. I think they shot below 30%. I'll talk about that when I look at the stats, stats when I go over here in a second. But Zach Eady uh, really kept them afloat until they figured some things out. Also, they were shooting the free throw, uh, shooting from the free throw line poorly. Uh, they were in the low 60s for much of the night until the end when Florida State started fouling Purdue at the end and Purdue started hitting free throws. Um, they raised the average of above 70%, I believe 71%. I took a peek at some of the stats. And that's really the key to the game is hitting those free throws down the stretch. Um, like I said, Purdue did not shoot the ball well. Uh, they did not uh, play exceptionally well. The, uh, they rebounded the ball really, really well. They were getting after that, but uh, felt like it felt like for a little bit of the game, there's some complacency there. The things that we saw in Portland, we weren't really seeing. One of those things was Purdue was opportune, like they were knocking out shots when given the opportunity. That's a big deal. But more than that, I think Purdue had a different level of hustle, especially in the first half. Second half, you saw guys diving for balls, going for loose loose balls. The 50-50 balls can make or break you in college basketball when the margin of error is so thin. But also, of course, you have the expected element on the road in college basketball, and that is um, there. if you make it a one or two possession game and you're relying on yourself to get over the hump, it's awfully hard because officials love a good party. The weird thing is the party wasn't that great in Tallahassee. It looked like there were about 5,000 people there, I'm guessing. If you extrapolate based on what was down low, there was nobody there. And so I had a joke, and I, I tweeted it out, but I looked out and said, if Purdue loses this game, you're going to have everybody who rushes the court be able to fit in that massive um, uh, Chief Osceola 
logo in the center of uh, Florida State Court. Instead, Purdue avoids the court rushing. Uh, Purdue, like we said, like I said earlier, is, is fifth uh, in the nation. And Jay talked about this off the. I think he may have talked about it on the Handsome Hour. He likes uh, being ranked 11th to 13th. Well, sadly, Purdue earned the ranking of fifth, and it was obvious they earned it if you look at how people voted. There were, I think, seven or eight AP voters that voted for Purdue to be number one in the nation, and um, they end up landing at fifth. They had a, a ton of fourth place, third place votes too. They were, um, they earned this, and they earned it by playing so darn well against some of the best teams in America. Last time I checked, I didn't see the final score, um, Ohio State and Duke. It was at Cameron Indoor, but Ohio State looked to be down by ten about the most uh, for most of the game. Um, I don't think Duke is uh, the team that many thought they'd be coming into the coming into the season. I think that'll play out. I think they're 17th right now, something along those lines, because of the, the two losses they've now had. It doesn't matter, though. Uh, Purdue was playing a different game, a different level in Portland. You could say it's a number of things. Obviously, they had to fly across the country, get back to West Lafayette. They kind of touched ground. They had, uh, I think they had two practices there, one in the afternoon, one the next morning. Then they flew to Florida State, I believe, How that, that's how it worked. So they, they, they may have had some some rubberly, rubbery legs. There's no doubt that could, been, could be a possibility. But more than that, they may not understand, especially the young guys. The young guys may not understand that when you have that number next to your name, you have a target on your back, and now everybody wants to beat you, and it's a big deal. They're going to get up for it. Now, one big difference between this year's team and last year's when they got that number one ranking. Last year, it was like, they, there was a lot of things going wrong at the end of the games that they lost. And in the end, even the ones they won, the NC State game comes to mind, the Rutgers game comes to mind, the Iowa game comes to mind last year. Um, and there were a lot of really bad empty possessions, especially at the end, a lot of missed free throws, um, a lot of guys trying to do it all themselves. Uh, when you do that, bad things happen. I don't think this team has that do-it-all-themselves type mentality. One of the guys, I mean, obviously, Edie was beating double and triple teams all the time, but you got to feed him first. And one thing I saw that was super promising down the stretch was, I think probably with two to four minutes left, I saw Smith try to drive first to to draw the double beam and then get it off to Edie. But when I say drive first, I don't say F-U-R-S-T-F-I-R-S-T. But tried to drive primarily, say, okay, we're not going to accept a dumb jump shot. We're not going to accept a three-point shot. We're not going to try to do something where we're embarrassing somebody. We're going to try to drive, draw the defense, and then get rid of it, which I, myself, I love that type of point guard player. I play. I think that's always the right thing to do for a point guard as a guy who never liked the way basketball started being played in the NBA starting in the, I guess it'd be the middle, late 90s, uh, where point guards became score-first type guys. I, um, I've i always been that type of guy because I think you can make everybody better on the court if you're driving, getting drawing the collapse, and then dishing. And Smith did that towards the end of the game. So like I said, Purdue improves to uh, 7-0. and uh, they, they beat Florida State 69 to, or 79-69, to and they do it uh, – Really, down the stretch, like I said, fundamentals, hitting your free throws. All game long, they were crashing the glass. That's something that this team does well. They destroyed Florida State. They decimated them on the glass. Uh, they had 46 rebounds. Florida State only had 31. Uh, Purdue had more assists than Florida State. It's also one of those good team stats you always look for. Uh, turnovers were not awful, but Purdue had more than Florida State. Purdue had 11 turnovers. Anytime you get to that low double digits, you start flirting with trouble. 
Uh, they had kind of like the Duke game. They started the game off poorly. I think they had a couple early. They didn't have as many as they did versus Duke. I think Duke, they had five early in the game. It wasn't like that. It was really more of a, an issue where a couple guys uh, were doing some work for Florida State. Florida State had two guys that pretty much doubled their average. Both of them were guards. So Purdue's defense on the guards was not good. Uh, Florida State was taking advantage. They were hitting threes on uh, slow rotations. Um, this could be something, and, and Painter's talked about this. One thing he does is, uh, one thing does Purdue does by design is sag off players. There are two players that become less of a priority. So if you're given the choice, if you have a time, you can double somebody or leave somebody open. They'll kind of quickly assess it and they sag. I, I'd never heard him admit that. And, um, but it's an analytics type way to play defense. And I'm not sure if Green, I don't think he was one of the guys he would have sagged off of because I think he was the second or third leading scorer. But typically I think he averages around 12 points. Tonight, uh, Darren Green had 23 points. And I think he had 23 points at about the five or six minute mark before he was shut down. Morton did a really good job. They probably changed the way they were playing him. Uh, but then at that point, Cleveland uh, from Florida State started scoring points and he ended up with 20. They had nobody, I think, coming into the game that averaged more than 11 or 12 points a game. And in this game, they had two guys uh, score over 20. And to me, that's probably the whole story. That, coupled with Purdue missing so many threes in the first half, not creating any space, um, and just flirting with danger. But they won. Zach Eady, 25 points uh, on 11 of 14 shooting. He 3 for 5 from the free throw line, but he also had he added 8 boards. Uh, Gillis had six, uh, 7 boards, pardon me, 5 points. Um, he, I don't have the minutes in front of me. seemed like he didn't play a ton. Newman didn't play a ton again, um, but Newman was in at the end. He hit two crucial free throws. Uh, Jenkins, I think, was one for two from the free throw line. Smith had a couple big free throws at the end. Um, the guys that needed to hit free throws were doing it. Morton was four for four from the free throw line. Uh, like I said, Smith had, it was five for six overall. Newman was five for six from the free throw line. Um, and Jenkins was two for four. I think he missed one of those down the stretch that could have helped ice the game. And Purdue did ice the game They, they in, in spite of allowing a cheap three or two in the last couple of minutes from Florida State. Uh, Caleb first had seven points off the bench, three rebounds. Uh, Newman, again, this is the thing that I, that I love about Newman this year. Um, in limited minutes and limited opportunities, eight points, but this, the rebounds are what are, they have my attention. Seven rebounds from Newman. So he's doing the little things that I think are incredible. Um, to me, uh, I don't think he's going to get it because I think Painter's kind of in a groove right now. And I think until Purdue loses or if the team starts pl stops playing the way they are, it's probably going to be Lawyer's starting job. Lawyer finishes with uh, 11 points, uh, four assists, no turnovers. That's pretty solid. And Purdue was good against the press for the most part. They were, uh, um, Florida State threw a little bit of a press at him. It didn't it didn't seem like it, uh, Purdue got into panic mode, but Smith and Lawyer specifically, when they would get it to one-on-one, -on -one, they did a great job just handling the ball well, both of them. Uh, let's see. Anything else here noteworthy? Uh, Braden Smith, 13 points, 7 assists, 9 rebounds, only 2 turnovers. That's a damn good deal, a uh, damn good night. And plus he had 2 steals to add on to that. Um, but Purdue's uh, 79, they win 79-69. Next game will be against Minnesota in Mackey Arena. And then after that, they play Hofstra before going to Nebraska. And I think the Nebraska game will be on December 10th, which I believe this. Yeah, oh, 
the students will still, still be on campus. So to me, that Nebraska game is probably the biggest one to circle your calendar on of, of one that Purdue might want to really be have their guard way up. Hopefully, we don't see a repeating pattern that we saw last year. Like I said, these freshmen may not get this, but the upperclassmen surely, surely do. Guys like Newman, guys like Edie, guys like um, – even Kaufman Wren, since he was there, but the but the, um, the the guys that are Morton, upperclassmen, Gillis, they should understand what comes with the high ranking. With great high high ranking comes great responsibility, and Purdue really needs to figure this out. And Matt Painter needs to figure this out. He's never been a rah rah guy. He's not going to be a rah rah guy, um, and he's always been a. But he but somehow he always says the right things, the subtle things, to get a team motivated when they are an underdog. Conversely, when they are the hunted, that's not really Matt Painter's bag. And he, if he can't do it, if he can't say the things that, that let a team know they should be a little frightened going into the game and they need to play uh, a different, you know, get back to that sense where, okay, hey, we got to go after every loose ball. We got to, uh, we got to play better defense. Got to crash the glass, whatever. Um, you, might, you guys might think that I'm crazy here, but to me, I see a pattern of behavior that bothers me a lot. And I'm hoping that that gets broken up with a couple thrashings here where Purdue beats up on Minnesota and then beats up on Hofstra. Uh, a lot of people on live. Appreciate you guys tuning in. A lot more than I thought it'd be, actually, after, after a game versus uh, Florida State, a bad Florida State team. But I'm going to read some of the comments. Again, thanks for tuning, tuning in live. Thanks to those who are uh, listening tape as well. John Younger uh, leads off, says, didn't shoot well, but still scored 79, 1 by 10. Yeah, exactly. So scoring nearly 80 points. And shooting that poorly is a big deal. Um, I think Purdue, like, I didn't even read that stat, but I think they were 30% from three. But the bigger thing is in the first half. If you looked at the stat line in the first half, that's really the whole thing that set the tone for the game and kept it close. Purdue had opportunity on top of opportunity in the first half to really create space and to get out uh, ahead of Florida State, and they didn't do it because they were just missing so many shots. So that's not a hustle thing. That's just kind of not having it on that day. And you could say maybe their legs are a little jelly because uh, the all the travel and all the games, all that. But I don't know. I don't like that excuse very much. So I'm not going to use it. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Ruta Chris says, how about them Boilers? Tough to win in a mausoleum. No kidding. Uh, like, I, like I said, there was nobody there. And it was a quiet place. And um, there was a weird thing if you didn't watch the game. And if you did, you, you remember this. But if you didn't watch the game, uh, interesting thing, Brandon Newman hit a three, turned around, said something to the Florida State bench. The ref teched him up. I can't tell you how many times I've seen guys say something to the bench because those bench players are chewing on the shooter. I don't care which place it is in America. They're always doing that. So a guy turned around, unless he curses and sits around jaw jacks, uh, that's something you really generally let play. But the ref teched up Newman, and then he challenged Painter to come after him. Later, that same ref simply warned the Florida State bench when they were getting a little vociferous, which they were the whole game. There was one guy specifically that was a jackass on the bench. I watched him. He was the guy. There was a, they, they had a flop call. Another thing that was unusual, they had a flop call on um, Braden Smith in the first half. We wouldn't know if it was legit or not because for some reason ESPN's producers wouldn't show us the replay. I couldn't tell you if it was legit. I don't know. But I can tell you that jackass who was – the same person who was chewing on the Purdue players the whole time and kind of the instigator, he was also calling for flops and flop warnings to the officials almost the entire game. If you watch him, if you isolate on it, when you watch the tape, which you will because you're, you're an addict like I am, 
you'll probably see this one guy. Um, he's just a warm body. He's not going to play. But he was an instigator, and they decided to go after Newman. That play bothered me. I don't have a problem with Newman turning around. He didn't do anything bad. It was really within the flow of the game. Whatever. Uh, and that ref kind of going back at Painter really bothered me more than anything. Um, Todd Singer says, what's up with the ESPN stats department? They usually have some helpful info during the game, but none of that was... They, didn't, they had no stats, and they also had hardly any replays. I think it was probably one of those things where... And I've been trying to figure this out all, for a while, for a couple months. If you watch ESPN's ticker, there are so many typos now. And so I think they've got a lot of interns doing things. I think there's a lot of skeleton crews at these games because ESPN keeps making cuts because uh, the network has been jacking around for, a, for years and they're finally paying for it. People are kind of sick of the product they're putting out there. But I don't know the reason, but that seems to be these two things seem to be connected. A lot of interns, maybe, people that don't know what they're doing, don't know what the – the big tech board, they're like me before a handsome hour. Uh, but uh, uh, Handel Jones says he's more impressed with this win, honestly. With, than what win, Handel? I don't know what you like. When you compare it to this one versus, I don't know, maybe there's a conversation I missed. But I'm not more impressed with this win than the two that I just saw in Portland. So um, I am impressed with any time a team can gut it out when they're shooting that poorly. So I get that. Um, Ted Berkey says, uh, should we be used to the, we should be used to the crowd since they play at Penn State? Uh, it's a good point. That is a mausoleum. That place is cavernous and empty all the time. Uh, Dylan, thank you for tuning in. Says choo choo mothers, right on, brother. Um, now the handsome levels are at all time high. Gosh, God bless you. You're a good liar. I believe you from from a long way away. Um, and I am wearing my fancy glasses for you. Let's see. Uh, Josh, Josh Clark says, ugly game. We need to get others going. Edie and Smith are the only ones who played well. Others need to get going. I agree. I agree. And uh, I saw some sparks of some things. At one point, it looked like first maybe he was going to get some stuff happening. And then he fell off pretty quickly. Um, I, it's got to be. This team's got to look at this thing as a team. They are, when they play together, they're pretty unstoppable. If they try to play anything less than a game where they are just all in, all of them, you're going to see a lot of games that are this close. But uh, we see the other side. We've already seen it. This team is incredibly flammable when they want to be. And I think it's defense creating offense, right? Defense creating opportunities. Those guys getting out and run, getting open looks, etc. cetera. Um, took few shots, didn't shoot well, still won comfortably, says John Younger again. Uh, Brock Stepler, after the weekend, they had three games in four days out west. I wasn't shocked at all. It was ugly. Showed grit, too. FSU also pretty motivated. Yeah, and but they're going to be motivated. I agree with all points. Um, I agree with especially with the fatigue point. Um, I agree with everything you said. But at the same time, I just uh, I don't want to see a pattern of behavior is what I'm saying. And we all, everybody in this margin, saw what happened last year when they got highly ranked. I don't want to see a replay of that where they just kind of barely get by. Because there's no excuse for this team to barely get by. They have a real opportunity to get their feet under them in the next few games and see if they do it. Minnesota looks pretty bad. I've watched them play a couple times. Look like a team that's struggling to find identity. Um, and uh, I think they lost a score or two uh, to graduation. So there's good opportunity. Then Hofstra is a different, different uh, thing altogether. Um, Chris Beeler says, we got to keep our poise, keep our heads in it. Don't let the media get in our heads. Keep doing – okay, let's see. Keep doing our thing defensively, offensively, things are going to fall. Is that the – I think that's – is that a quote from – maybe you can tell me. But I think that's a quote from from Smith. I heard – Smith had another quote that was 
um, pretty awesome where he just said, you got to keep doing little things. You got to keep going. You can't stop. You can't let your foot off the gas. Um, and he had another great quote after the Gonzaga game where he said, when you get the lead, you keep playing hard defense because a team thinks, you know, they're going to, you're going to let up. And when you don't, it's pretty easy to kind of break their spirit. I read between the lines on that last part, but he's right. Um, uh, Boilermaker 63 said, uh, Smith's 13, nine, seven really impressed me. Couldn't even look better. Uh, could have even looked better on a few plays. Yeah. He, he dribbled himself into trouble a couple times, um, right into, uh, two, two big guys standing up and, um, didn't get rid of the ball quick enough, but generally, yeah, I, uh, he was, he played impressive. I don't think there's any doubt of that. So, uh, that's about all. Appreciate to everybody again, everybody for tuning in. If I miss some of your comments, I'm sure there's some gold in there. Uh, but I do appreciate everybody being here. Um, thanks again to our sponsors, uh, Martin Vintage and AJ's and I, uh, I wish you guys well, we'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Have a great day. I may have, I may have just a, a quick cast with a few thoughts heading into the Michigan game. Some things are starting to bubble in this bald head. Talk to you soon. Hammer down.